we began something last week, and I told you we we're going to spend some time focused on faith, and we are going to do that, but I could not shake all week long this word about supernatural increase. And I should have known better, or excuse me, supernatural acceleration, which has to do with our increase. And I should have known better because all last week coming into last week's service, that's the only thing I got from the Lord. And I kept trying to force this other thing. Well, I got to preach this thing on faith. We got to dig into this thing on faith. And, you know, Lord help me. I'm learning. <laughs> We're all learning. Uh, but you can only go with what he gives you. And that's something good for all of us to know, but especially those of you in Bible school, which we do have a couple in here, as we've just found out. Um, and especially if you're going to have any kind of ministry focus in your life, you can only give what the Spirit of God gives you. You can't force anything else. You can't make anything else up. And if you try it, it will be boring. Trust me. I've learned that through some unpleasant experiences. I just want what he wants. Amen. Amen. I just want said in this church what he wants said in this church. I just want done in this place what he wants done in this place. I just want done in my house what he wants done in my house. How about you? Well, we got to learn to flow with him. So I can sense by the spirit of God, he's asking us to just for, I don't know how long, maybe just this week, maybe another week or two, maybe six months. I don't know, but we're going to flow. <laughs> what do you do when you don't know? You flow flow with the Holy Spirit. So I want to do that today in, a, in the few minutes that we have, and I want us to keep talking about this supernatural acceleration. Because this is not just something that's supposed to be happening or is happening here at this house at church, but what do we say all the time? Whatever's going on in this house is supposed to be going on in your house. And if you and I, as a church family, are experiencing supernatural acceleration, what should you and I be experiencing in our own homes? Supernatural acceleration. Amen. We are right in the middle of a move of God in this church. And I say that because sometimes when you're in the middle of something like that, you don't realize it. You don't always realize what's happening when it's happening right in front of you. I don't know all the reasons why that's the case, but I know that's the case. I've seen it in my own life. I've, I've seen it with, with my kids, you know. I mean, uh, our son Justice is 13 now. Our daughter Jessie just turned 10. And they weren't always this tall. <laughs> Something happened. Something happened, and it seemed like it happened really quickly. And, you know, my phone, thank you phone, just periodically feels like making me cry and says, hey, here's a picture of Justice when he was five. I'm like, oh God, no, make it stop. Because he was so little, you know, Jesse, she was so small and so cute. And, and what happened? I mean, they're so cute, but they're not as little as they used to be, Right. And as parents, when we're with them all the time, we don't see the growth that's taking place, but it's happening every day, every day, every day. And sometimes it takes grandparents or other family members who haven't seen them in a long time. They come walking through the front door. They get a look at your kid and they go, what happened to you? You've grown so much. And we're looking at them going, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, they've grown. What's the difference? We're not, we're so close to it. We don't always see that steady progress. 
But I'm telling you today, you and I are right now in the middle of a move of God in this church. And of course, we know it's not supposed to stay here. This is not Vegas. What happens at Legacy does not stay at Legacy. It is fully intended for this thing to overflow out of this room, down that hall, and out the front door, through that valley, north, south, and reaching everybody around us. This move of God. But we are experiencing something unique. And in case you hadn't noticed it, let me give you some of the details about it. This summer has been, in my estimation, the greatest time we have ever experienced as a church. You, maybe you don't know this, but churches in general talk about, you hear people talk about this a lot, they'll talk about the summer slump in church. Why? Well, you know, people travel and families, they, 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 they go out of town, so you might not see them for a few weeks, and so that typically will affect attendance. And in the summer months, attendance can drop, and you might not have as many people. And of course, when attendance drops, then then a lot of your volunteer base isn't what it was. And so you ended up, you put a lot of pressure on other people because there's not people there to serve and you really need people serving. And, and so that, that, that attendance drop can really overflow and, and affect your service teams, which of course then affects the offerings. So don't plan to do anything big in the summertime because with attendance low like it will be, then your offerings are gonna be lower. But then when everybody comes back around the fall, things should come up again. Huh. You couldn't make me say that for huge sums of money. I'm not claiming a summer slump. Are you kidding me? I would never claim that. But when I've been coming to church week after week after week all this summer, maybe you haven't noticed this, but we're growing. We're not experiencing some summer slump. We're in the middle of some summer, something else, some triumph or something else. And when others can shrink back, maybe, I don't know, what's the Lord doing here? Increase, increase, increase. As a matter of fact, our numbers aren't lower. They're higher than they've been. And when I pulled in the parking lot this morning at, this morning at 930 and the lot was already full of volunteers, I thought, well, where's everybody else going to park? <laughs> this is just people serving. Folks, that's not normal. This is a move of God. And you add to it, on top of all that, what we just celebrated. This is not a slump financially. You and I just experienced a major breakthrough. In the summer? Yeah, in the summer. And there's a word that's been coming to my heart and mind about all this. And it's what I want to talk to you about today. It's the word momentum. Momentum. Momentum, of course, we know it in the natural world, the physical world. Any object can develop momentum. Now, that connects pretty perfectly, doesn't it, to supernatural acceleration, right? Because the more something accelerates, the greater momentum it has. And with enough momentum... Whatever it is that's gaining that speed becomes very, very, check this out, difficult to stop. With enough momentum, you can become very difficult to stop. 
And let me just read some of this to you after doing a little bit of study about it. Did I write it? Momentum. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you, Lord. Any particular object, be it a car on the road, a train on a track, these things can develop momentum. And you know, you could take a car, big heavy piece of equipment, but if that thing was maybe moving a mile or two an hour, you could probably stop it. You probably got enough strength to hold it back, as long as it's not going very fast. But you take that same thing and you speed it up to what, 100 miles an hour, 200 miles an hour? Well, I don't recommend you get in front of it. It's a little harder to stop. Well, that same principle can apply to a business. That same principle can apply to a church. That same principle can apply to a family, to individuals in a family. You can develop enough momentum in a business, a church, or in your own home where you, you become very difficult to stop. That's what's happening, family. That's what's going on right now. Now, if you think about it, all momentum, some, something that's built momentum, that's moving at, at huge velocity, moving at a great speed, there was a moment where it started. A lot of this is so new, fresh to me. I'm telling you, the Lord is downloading this to me at six o'clock this morning. So believe with me. Do you see the word moment inside the word momentum? Momentum begins with a moment. There's always a moment, and I don't care if you're talking about starting the car and putting the gas down, or if you're talking about a business that was struggling and, and trying to make it and then something happened and it, and it put them on a trajectory and they began to report growth, or if you're talking about a church, or you're talking about your house or your life, there is a moment that you can look back on and point at and say, that's when the momentum started. That's when the momentum began. And we were talking about some of these things together as a staff. Every Thursday we get together in here as a staff and we, we pray. We pray over you. We, we spend an hour in the Word together. And what we were doing this past Thursday is just really rejoicing. We've just been thanking God for every good thing that's gone on this summer. We were shouting over this uh, progress we've made in the Jubilee Project. And I made a statement Thursday morning about really not knowing where it started. I don't know where it started, but God's doing it. Glory to God. And we're shouting, we're praising God. But that kind of stuck with me throughout the day. And I kept asking this question, Lord, where did this start? How did this begin? Where did this move of God in this church family start? And I, I, I had that thought in my mind, but I kind of, you know, just shelved it and went about my day. That afternoon, I was walking out of the gym and it was leg day. So I was barely walking out of the gym. <laughs> 
Man, it was a tough one. I was struggling. And I was no more thinking about you or this church than anything. I just thought about, can I make it to the car? That's what was on my mind. And the Lord spoke up on the inside, right in the middle of that, and he said something that totally surprised me. You know what he said? Baptisms. And I knew he was answering the question, where'd the momentum start? Are you tracking with me? He said, baptisms. I said, baptisms. Now, some of you may not have been here, but back early this summer, we had our first ever baptismal service. How many of you were part of that service? That was amazing, wasn't it? I remember looking back on that day, leaving so satisfied, knowing the Lord was so pleased with it. We had, I think, 50 or more people baptized that day. And I thought, okay, yeah, Lord, that was really special, but baptisms? And he just was letting me know that's when the momentum started. That was the moment it began. And I shared that with Sarah later, and we thought, man, that seems really right. And I remember going into that service, and I said, on that baptism day, I believe this day is going to be a catalyst for this church. That's going to propel us, and it's going to open up the doors to a move of God. But I, I guess I'd lost sight of it or forgot it, and the Lord's reminded me, baptisms. It was the moment the momentum began. And she and I were talking about this, and we, we go on this long walk together several times a week, and we were out on the walk. And as we were talking, the Lord brought this to my mind. I want you to look at a scripture with me in the book of Luke, please. Luke chapter 3. I started thinking about when Jesus was baptized and what a monumental moment that was. And it's where all the momentum began in his ministry. Luke chapter three, the Bible says in verse 21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. Now, what's interesting about this, we hear the voice of the father saying to Jesus, you're my beloved son in you. I'm well pleased. And our first thought is, well, of course he's pleased with Jesus. I mean, look at his life, right? Look at, look at all the wonderful things done by him. Look at the messages preached. Look at the word that he delivered. Look at the, the miracles that were worked by his hands and the dead raised and the blind eyes open and, and the lame that could walk. Look at everything that came out of Jesus life. And we would think, well, of course God's pleased with that. There's only one problem with that line of thinking is none of that had happened. None of that had taken place when God said to him, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. It was the revelation of who he was. It was the revelation of the pleasure that his father had in him, watch this, that launched him into ministry. Before that, there had been no ministry. Oh, come on. Can you hear this? Can you see this? There had been no ministry. Jesus was 30 years old. And the only glimpses we had into his life up until then was his birth. Of course, you, you remember that. Kind of a big deal about that. But then he's 12 years old. And all we know about him as a 12-year-old is that he's, he said, I must be about my father's business. And the scripture says 
He grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. And that's all we know about those 18 years. That's it. 18 years, what was Jesus doing? Growing in wisdom, growing in stature, growing in favor, growing in grace, growing in favor with God and with men for 18 years until he was 30 years old and he stepped into the waters of baptism. And when he was baptized, the Spirit of God came upon him. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit and with that came the Father's seal of approval came the father's love and declaration of pleasure that he took in his son. And it was that that launched him into his ministry. Now, all you got to do is spend a few minutes in your Bible and you see the momentum begin to build. Momentum, momentum is building, momentum is building. But right there in the early days, right out of the waters of baptism, you want to know what happened? He didn't go preaching right away. He didn't grow, go healing right away. He went into the wilderness. And the Bible tells us that Satan tempted him there for 40 days and nights. Why? Why not before that? Why not tempt him when he's 18 years old, when he's 25 years old? Because now there's been a moment. There has been a moment that marks momentum. And Satan recognizes that. And he comes. This is always when the enemy comes. He comes in the beginning. Why? Because with enough momentum, mm, come on. Why does he come in the beginning of a thing? Huh? Why does he come? Listen to me, Bible school students. Why does he come week one? Hmm? Why does he come right at the beginning of the school year? Because you don't have any momentum yet. But he knows if you'll stay with it, you're going to build some momentum. And when you got some momentum, you become very difficult to stop. So he's going to put some pressure on in the beginning. Because if I can talk you out of this thing now, I don't got to worry about you when you got 100 miles an hour of force moving behind you and you're operating in some supernatural acceleration. I can't get in front of that. So let me try in these early days to derail you. This is what's going on in Jesus. And Jesus is out there, he's fasting, he's not putting in any food, and the enemy comes and he comes to tempt him. Now, what did I tell you last week is the greatest temptation that you or I or anybody will ever face is the temptation to stop trusting God. And that's what Jesus had to resist. He said, if you're hungry, feed yourself. What's he trying to tell him? Stop trusting God to provide for you. You provide for you. Every temptation, one after the other, was the temptation to stop trusting God. And Jesus, he's physically, naturally hungry. So he's going to have to rely on something else, some other source of strength, some other source of power, because in his own flesh, in his own body, he's weak. Just like you and I get weak. When we have not fed this thing, we've got low energy, we're, we're weak, and we don't feel like resisting. So he's going to have to tap into some other source to fight off this temptation. And what source is that? Go back to the baptism. What happened in baptism? The Spirit of God came on him. Now he's fighting with new weapons. Now he's got strength that, that far outweighs any strength you get from feeding this natural body. And he's drawing on it. And it was out of that, listen to this, 
This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 4. He came out of the waters of baptism the moment the momentum began. He resisted in the wilderness. And out of that, Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned in what? The power of the Spirit to Galilee. Check this out. And news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. This is supernatural. They're living in a day before word spread quickly. They're living in the days before you could send something via technology. Supernaturally, the word is beginning to spread about him. Momentum is building. Momentum is building. Momentum is building. Check this out. This is Matthew's account of it from Matthew chapter 4 in the Message Bible. Put this on the screen if we have it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. Uh, we'll start there. That's fine. From there he went all over Galilee. He used synagogues for meeting places and taught the people the truth of God. What does it say? Keep going. God's kingdom was his theme that beginning right now, they were under God's covenant, a good government. He also healed people of their diseases and of the bad effects of their bad lives. It says word got around. This is what I want you to see. Word got around the entire Roman province of Syria. People brought anybody with a sickness, whether mental, emotional, or physical, Jesus healed them one and all. Ready for this? More and more people came. Not a summer slump. Not a drop in attendance. What did he say? More and more people came. The momentum gathered. The momentum was gathering. Besides those from Galilee, crowds came from the 10 towns across the lake, others up from Jerusalem and Judea, still others across from the Jordan. Somebody say momentum. Momentum is building. Okay, well, what was the moment the momentum began? It's baptism. Baptism. I'm telling you, we and I, you and I had that same moment and we can expect the same moment um, to begin to build. Now, John baptized and he baptized people in water, but his baptism was a baptism of repentance. So people would acknowledge their sin and be baptized as a demonstration of the cleansing of the sin. There was the baptism of repentance. But listen to this. This is what John said about Jesus. He said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he'll burn up the chaff with what? Unquenchable fire. This was not what John's baptism was about. John's baptism was what? Repentance. What was the baptism you and I took, place, uh, took part in just a few weeks ago? Well, that was being baptized. You could say being baptized 
uh, into Jesus. That's being, being born again. But our baptism, when you're already born again, is just an outward demonstration that we identify with him. To be baptized, you and I who are believers, to be baptized in water is just to say, hey, Jesus, I'm with you. You were crucified, I was crucified. You were buried, that's you and I going under the water. I was buried with you. You were risen again, this is you and I coming up out of the water. I was risen again with you, and I'm seated with you in heavenly places. That's what our baptism is about. It's about identifying with him. But are you ready for this? There's another one. There's another moment. There is another moment in the life of a believer that will create more momentum than you can possibly imagine. And it's not just the baptism of repentance. It's not just to be baptized with water. It's to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. <laughs> baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Thank you, Lord. That is Jesus baptizing us. I want to show this to you in kind of a peculiar way. Go to the Old Testament with me, 1 Kings chapter 18. Why am I telling you this? I think we're about to have another moment. I think this momentum is building into another moment. 1 Kings chapter 18. And begin with me down around verse 19. Previous to this, the prophet Elijah had spoken to Ahab, a wicked king, and told them, told him and the nation, there will be no rain in this country until I say so, at my word. And after a long time had passed, the Lord told him, told Elijah, go speak to Ahab and tell him the rain's coming. But in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19, the Bible says, Now therefore, uh, send and gather, this is Elijah speaking, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. So he's speaking to Ahab. He says, gather all the nation on Mount Carmel. The 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal or if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered not a word. And Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord and Baal's prophets are 450 men. So this sort of seems like um, unfair odds. One versus 450. If you total up all the prophets, it's like 850. One man of God versus 850 false prophets. Elijah said, I alone am left, among, uh, left a, a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no... Are you listening? Put no what? Fire. He said, put no fire under it. Now, normally when you, they would make a sacrifice, they would take the animal, slay it, put it on, on the altar and burn it. But he said, don't put any fire under it. Put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. 
Then you will call on the name of your gods, and I'll call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. This is, he's playing with them. He's playing with them. The God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. We want your God to light it on fire, is what he's saying. Verse 26, so they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it. <laughs> Sorry, I know what's coming. And called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon. So what are we talking about? Four, six hours that they're standing out there calling on the name of their God. They called on the name of their God from morning until noon saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice and no one answered. So this is what they did. Then they leaped about the altar <laughs> which they had made. This is such a tendency people have. They just cry and wail, and when nothing's happened, they're going to, like, crank it up a little bit. And these guys start leaping about the altar. I can't even begin to imagine what this was like. First of all, they stood out there for six hours. Oh, Baal, hear us! Oh, Baal, hear us! Oh, Baal, hear us! Can you imagine standing there and listening to that for six hours? Oh, Baal, hear us! Oh, Baal, hear us! Guys, this screaming's not working. What if we leaped? <laughs> no, just hear me out. What if we leaped? What if we all like started leaping around this altar and we'll go, I think we should go counterclockwise. And they began to <laughs> leap around the altar. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Nothing. So the crying's not working. The leaping's not working. They leaped about the altar which they had made. So it was at noon. Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud. He's a God. Either he's meditating or maybe he's busy or he's on a journey. Perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud. Listen to this. And cut themselves. They cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. The crying's not working. The, the leaping's not working. And now they start this ritual practice of cutting themselves. If anybody in here or watching or listening online has ever struggled with that, don't put up with that another day in your life. You have no idea how demonically driven that is. That's not of God. And it doesn't get God's attention. They did this. They're now hoarse, can't speak. They've been screaming for hours. They're laid out, exhausted from leaping for hours and bleeding all over the place. It says in verse 29, when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. This has gone on for hours and hours, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. 
So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two sayas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice." And on the wood. What does he say? Baptize this thing. Pour water all over this thing. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Pour water all over it. Filled up the trench with water. Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water, I might add the waters of baptism, ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. Now, if you're trying to light something on fire, soaking it with water doesn't seem like a good idea. Natural law says you can't do that. Supernatural law says, watch me. And it came to pass, verse 36, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, the Elijah the prophet came near and said, now listen to this, contrast this with all the shenanigans these false prophets just went through. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I'm your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Now, how long did that take? Hours? Morning till noon? No. All that other stuff is flesh. And it doesn't produce anything. We may look at this a little deeper later on, but Paul wrote in the book, in the book of Galatians, and he said, you foolish Galatians. He said, just answer me this. When you were filled with the Spirit... Was it by the hearing of faith or the works of the law? When you were baptized in the Spirit, was it by faith or by flesh? And he said, now, having begun in the Spirit, listen to this, having begun in the Spirit, are you going to be perfected in the flesh? Having started in the Spirit, are you going to now try to finish this thing off in the flesh? What's he saying? He's saying what Jesus said. The flesh profits nothing. All this stuff these guys went through, it's all flesh. All the shouting, all the screaming, all the flailing for hours and hours and hours and hours is all flesh. And I wish that I could stand here and tell you today that Christian people didn't participate in the same thing. But it's not true. There's a lot of people trying to get God's attention in the flesh. Hey, listen, this thing started in the spirit. This thing started in the spirit. You cannot build momentum in the flesh. It starts in the spirit and it's going to have to stay in the spirit. This is what it looks like to stay in the spirit. You ready? People have all kinds of ideas of what it looks like to be in the spirit. 
Oh, man, that guy was really in the spirit. Why? Well, you know, he was like shaking hard and his eyes were in the back of his head. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, the spirit of God can do these kinds of things. But do you suppose Elijah was in the spirit when he prayed this very simple prayer that took about a verse and a half? And he said, Lord, hear me. I want these people to know that you're God. And that was his prayer. And look at what happened. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. You ready? And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Whew. This is two baptisms all at once. That baptism by water and baptism by fire. There's a baptism by fire. We had the baptism of water. It was a moment in the life of this church that set us in motion and has produced a momentum. But how many of you would be interested in that momentum being sustained in this church? We've been saying it for months. We call this place full and overflowing, full and overflowing. It's happening. It's happening. Well, how are we going to sustain that? It ain't going to be in the flesh. It ain't going to be by saying, okay, God, great. Thanks for the good start. We'll take it from here. That would be stupid. And you would be stupid to do the same thing in your house. Oh, thank you, Lord, for helping us start in the spirit. I'll take over now. My plan, my way, my decision, my choice. No, start in the spirit and stay in the spirit. Now, if that was all that would happen, that would have happened. That would have been enough. But listen, it goes on. Look at verse 41. Musicians, you guys come on up. Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink for there is a sound, the sound of abundance of rain. It ain't raining. It hadn't rained in years. But what's he saying? There is the sound of abundance of rain. Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Sometimes you got to put your face between your knees. Sometimes you got to get on your face before the Lord. Pray and seek him. He said to a servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went and looked and he said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. So he said, go, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. What rain? There's a, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. What rain are you talking about? He said, go now before the rain stops you. In verse 45, it says, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Now listen to this. What are we talking about? Supernatural acceleration. Listen to 1 Kings 18.45 from the Message Bible. Notice what it says. Read it with me. Things happened fast. After what? After that baptism by fire, things started happening fast. Come on. Are you with me? You better stand on your feet. I can't preach this to a bunch of people sitting down. What did he say? Things happened fast. What happened? The sky grew black. What was a cloud the size of a man's hand a minute ago is now an entire sky 
turned black. The sky grew black with wind-driven clouds, then a huge cloud burst of rain with Ahab, like this, high-tailing it in his chariot for Jezreel. Are you ready? And God strengthened Elijah mightily, pulling up his robe, tying it around his waist. Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot. Supernatural. Natural law says a man on two feet cannot outrun a horse and a chariot. Supernatural law says, watch me, watch me. This is acceleration. This is things moving quickly. This is sowing seed, reaping harvest, sowing seed, reaping harvest. This is praying prayers, getting answers, praying prayers, getting answers. This is declaring by faith and seeing the tree dried up from the roots the next morning. This is acceleration, acceleration, acceleration. And it all started with what? A moment, a moment. The moment that started it for us is the exact same moment that started it for Jesus coming out of the waters of baptism. But there's another baptism. And it's the baptism by fire, by fire. And that is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we are not leaving this church this morning until I've given you an opportunity to come be baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter two that they were all together in an upper room and there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the place where they waited and divided tongues of fire sat on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They got baptized with that fire and they began to speak with other tongues. And then you get to chapter three when all those same people who'd been baptized in the Holy Ghost, they got arrested. We talked about it last week and they got threatened. Don't you go preaching in this name. Don't you go preaching in that name of Jesus. You shut up this Jesus stuff. And they went from there and they prayed a prayer. And they said, Lord, look on their threats and grant us boldness that we may boldly preach, boldly preach, boldly preach. And when they prayed that prayer, the Bible says in Acts chapter three, chapter four, that the whole house was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I thought they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a one and done type thing. You can drink and you can drink some more and you can drink again and you can drink again and drink again and drink again. And that's why the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling you right now, today's another moment, church. It's not just a moment for the church, it's a moment for you. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you've never received that gift, then you better come run into this altar right now. Altar ministers, come. And even, listen to me, even if you have been, you might say, well, yeah, you know, I prayed that prayer, I received that in 1974, and I think I might have spoken tongues once then. They all got filled again. And what the Bible actually says is, be ye being filled. Keep being filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you've been dry, if you've been without rain for years, you need this baptism, the baptism by fire. I'm opening up the altar right now for anybody who wants to come and just get another drink of the Holy Ghost. Get another, get your fill of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this baptism, this baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire and he burns up 
what doesn't belong. He burns up what's not of him. He burns up sickness. He burns up disease. It has to, it, it has to be disintegrated in his presence. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for the, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.